Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Wow, the live studio audience is just going off because uh, it's just it's just me, you fellow bo- bottom dwellers, basement dwellers, bottom feeders, everything in between. Your good friend Dave Unger coming in here today, filling in for one Patrick O'Dowd, who's right now in the middle of a perfect 300 game in his bowling tournament and just tearing that alley and you ass. So your guys are just stuck with me as your host today. It is me, the lawyer, Dave Unger, coming to you for another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I believe, if my calculations are correct, this is the 75th episode of Bandwagon Nerds. We are three quarters of the way to 100, folks. And what a better, t- better, I can't think of a better way to have just a tremendous cast of characters here today. So let me run down who is joining us here today. We have, of course, with us. The one and only live studio audience, Mr. PC Tunney. Mr. Tunney, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing excellent, Dave. It's great to be back once again for more nerddom as we record Sunday afternoon. Get this out to the masses Monday afternoon. And, you know, thanks, everybody, for listening to Chairshot Radio Network. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better. And that's why I had you say it, Tunney, because you say it better. So uh, welcoming back to the show is, in his words, you had to have one of us. It is the one and only Christopher Platt. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing today, man? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. And Ray couldn't make it. And so y'all know how it goes. What else can I say about that? Shout out to Patrick O'Dowd as well. While he may not be bowling three consecutive strikes, he's still a turkey. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a good way to do it. And, and just for the record, Christopher Platt is not like a consolation prize to Ray, the Reverend Ray Cash, who may or may not be on this episode as we go along here today. We'll see what happens. But all that aside, I am absolutely ecstatic, beyond myself ecstatic, to welcome back to the show one of the OGs of the bandwagon nerds. His hiatus kind of sort of over a little bit sabbatical whatever it is but it is the one and only 
the scientist DPP making his return to the bandwagon nerds. Dan, buddy, it's been a while, except for the times I see you on DWI. But other than that, you know, it's been a while since you've been on bandwagon nerds. The prodigal son has returned. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's, uh, you know, it's a bright, sunny day out, except for the, you know, cold weather. But, you know, we'll take it. It's getting around. It's getting there. It's turning around finally. I'm excited, ready to go back outside and do some shit. That's right. We're the world becomes much more normal. I went to the grocery store this morning. They did away with the the st- staggered queue that they used to have you go through the checkout lines. So that's encouraging. Then again, we are living in a world where Jake Paul knocked out a former UFC fighter in the first round last night. So things are kind of really messed up yeah, still. That was. That was reality. Dude wasn't laughing on his way out of the ring back to the bank, back to his locker room. Like, that was such a work. Like, you thought WrestleMania was a work? That was a work last night, man. That was horrible. I mean, Askren has never been the same since Masvidal knocked him out in five seconds. I get that. But you should be able to handle your former UFC fighter, for Christ's sake. You should be able to handle Jake Paul a little bit, maybe? Platt? Yeah. Yeah, ask Nick Robinson about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was a tough one for the race, buddies. The gentlemen, that was a tough one that night. <laughs> man, that was that was rough. But yeah, so the world's all topsy turvy, and and you know we got we got we got basketball going down the stretch, hockey going down the stretch, baseball just starting, all sorts of good sports. But we're not here to talk about any of that. We are here to talk about, and I you know I guess um, Patrick's not here, so I'll have to pipe in the Marvel theme song here. But we got to get into it, man. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 5. Let's break it down, fellas. All right, so here we go. Falcon, Winter Soldier, the penultimate episode. Lots of stuff happening in this episode. A much more slower and deliberate pace, and I think that we all kind of recognize that was going on. Um, But man, it starts off with a bang with the big showdown that we knew was coming between Bucky, between Sam, and between John Walker. And uh, first off, let's break that down first. That was a hell of a fight. The uh, Super Soldier, Super Serum imbued john walker puts up more than a fight against these guys rips off sam's wings that was a uh staggering moment for those of us who are falcon fans but in the end the good guys win i guess we'll call them the good guys sam and uh, bucky win john ends up in front of a tribunal who something less than dishonorably discharges him at least he didn't get charged with murder and then we get the big cameo that we're going to talk about in, in uno momento but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. And Dan, I haven't, we haven't talked about it yet. I assume you've been watching this show and going along with us. Dan's smiling like maybe not. But if he hasn't, then we'll, we'll see what we say. But you guys, I know we're going to get into the big Isaiah Bradley. And, and, and to me, this episode is really about defining what it means to be Captain America. And that's what this episode really felt like a lot to me. But first off, this big showdown at the beginning, right off the bat, the most action that we get in the entire episode is right off the bat what did you guys think of this 
it was interesting to see them take over someone that had just taken, you know, become a super soldier, right? I mean, we're watching the Winter Soldier and Falcon try to do this without actually harming him, I would imagine. And on the other hand, John Walker has just lost his shit at this point, right? You mentioned tearing off the wings, and that's that's probably a little foreshadowing there, maybe, possibly. And uh, they get the job done at the end, but the, the gruesomeness of them breaking his arm along the way with it was was very interesting as well. I enjoyed most of this episode. I'll just say that, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Christopher? Yeah, I'll, I'll go in order here, because I'm sure you've got different points that you want to talk about in regards to this episode. Um, just off the bat, that fight, we have to give a shout-out to the real MVP of this whole series, which is the casting agent, because that dude that they got to play John Walker, for what that role is supposed to be, it's absolutely perfect. Because from the first time we're introduced to John Walker, literally every single thing about him says Jay Brown. They could not have casted this role any more perfect. Yeah, he's um I mean, and all the uh stuff at the beginning, remember when he first appeared in the uh comparisons to the guy in up were being made and he just looks stupid and all that sort of <laughs> and, and that that's one thing you know when you look at that but mr but, frederickson mr frederickson exactly but you're right chris he has been cast perfectly and he's done such a great job as watching like the mental degradation of him as the series has gone along as he just starts off so idealistic and then realizes just what a huge world he's been thrust into and how the odds are so very stacked against somebody like him that he breaks and he gets a super soldier serum and it and it bring, brings out supposedly brings out what's inside you and amplifies it. But in this situation, I you know, it's hard because I, I look at John Walker and to me, he's more lost than evil. I don't look at him as an evil. And, and they've done a really good job of capturing what he was in the comics, what U.S. agent was in the comics and bringing it into this show, because in the comics, he's always trying to do what he thinks is the right thing, even though the rest of the world looks at it through the objective lens of saying, no, dude, that's fucked up. But in his mind, it's not, even if it kind of is. Anyway, before we move on, and Dan, have you... Oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. I, I apologize, Dave. I just wanted to say that there there was always, if you look in his eyes throughout this whole series, there was always this tinge of unhinged, you know? Kind of like Jack Nicholson in The Shining or Mel Gibson in the Lethal Glove... In the Lethal Glover, Jesus Christ. The Lethal Weapon franchise. Like, there's just... You could just look at him and tell, like, there's something just not right. And then, of course, last week, when Captain America murders the guy in cold blood trying to get revenge for his, his, his fallen comrade and his boy. Like you said, Dave, like, I get it. I understand. But that's a bad look, man. Captain America just can't be out here murdering civilians all willy-nilly, especially when everybody got a camera phone nowadays, you know? That's right. Tony, write this down. Lethal Glover. That's the title for this episode. Lethal Glover. So oh, there you go. Typing it up on my invisible <laughs> typewriter right now. Ka-ching! Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Dan, have you been watching this show? And if so, what are your thoughts? Binge watched five hours of Falcon and Winter Soldier last night, baby. You are the man. Hey, look at that. that. So wow, it'll be dedication. so you've got to see the whole John Walker slide uh, into immorality pretty well here. Yeah, it was super awesome actually to watch that because you just yeah, like you mentioned, Dave, you see the degradation. You just see he is, you know, bright eyed at the beginning. He gets this opportunity to be Captain America, but 
he doesn't know what he's getting into. Just, you know, he's got that war record and everything, you know, but it's just not even close to the same. And now you see him getting in here with these super soldiers and he realizes, you know, he can't physically stack up the same way that they are, you know, and he's, he needs struggling through all that. And yeah, I, I kind of see it the same way where he's not necessarily the bad guy, but he's just mentally, he's just fried himself because he doesn't know what to do and how to, you know, stack up with these guys and then gets a hold of that serum. And it was like, Oh shit, here we go. And that, that image of him with the bloody uh, shield was just, I mean, they couldn't have done that any better. That was just kick ass after he murdered the guy and was like, you just see him standing there and you see that, that turn where he's just, he's just lost it. And yeah, just struggling with the fact that he can't, he can't be the superhero because he doesn't have that. He doesn't have any superpower is just crazy to think about, you know, like, yeah, he's great in the, in, in wars and everything else when he's matched up against equals, but now he's not. And it's, yeah, the struggle is, is crazy. And yeah, just this last episode of, of them battling with him and his, you know, fall, um, from, you know, I guess it was, did he get an honorable discharge? I think it was something but honorable, he got something a less, less than honorable discharge, less than honorable, less That's than right. honorable discharge. So yeah. not, it's in be, it, it falls in between honorable and dishonorable. But what really sucked <laughs> is they, they took away his medical benefits. They took away his pension. Yeah, his so pension, his wife, everything. Got yeah, it took yeah, away yeah. who he was. Really, they absolutely did. Yeah. They they they. You're not going to jail, but you're not who you were anymore, and you know you're nobody yeah. now. And I mean, we're going to get into more of that. Like the you guys saw the post credit scene, I assume, right? Okay, so we're going to talk about that in a moment. But switching to the hallway after this hearing, we get the big cameo that I know a lot of people were very excited about. Julia Lewis Dreyfus shows up as her name is very involved. Contessa something or other. We all know her in the nerds nerdosphere as Madame Hydra. Um, now this character is Con, go ahead, Contessa, Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine. Thank you. Boom, but don't boom boom. It does it sound like a character that would be on Seinfeld also, and the whole episode would be about everybody messing up her name. Yeah. <laughs> and she was great in this. I mean, she. <laughs> She hands John an empty uh, blank business card. Or at least it seems to be blank. We all know that it's probably not. Oh, I think the reverend's joined in. So we will uh, we will allow him to jump in at this point. But um, damn. So anyway, she shows up. She hands John what we think is a blank business card. She's telling him about this opportunity she has. This is a big moment in the MCU. And a lot of uh, a lot of speculation about what it means as to which variation of she, uh, the Contessa, who she is, right? She could be Madame Hydra. She could be a Skrull agent from Secret Invasion. She, in the comics, was involved with the original, the White Nick Fury. I guess, just for lack of a better term, we'll call him the White Nick Fury. So she was involved with him. Uh, she was a Skrull agent. She was Madame Hydra. She's tied in with not just, I mean, she's like a triple agent in the comics, which is remarkable when you think about triple agents. Um, but it's not just Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. that she's introducing. She was from what I read after I saw her, she was supposed to be introduced in the black widow movie. And we all know the history behind that, but she was supposed to bring Leviathan into this whole story arc. So now you've got a third agency for lack of a better term going on out there. Uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus seemed fantastic for this role. I don't think we're going to get much more with her 
at this point in time. But it does raise some very intriguing possibilities as to where they're going from here. What were your guys' thoughts in no particular order as to her introduction into this at this point in time? And where do we go with her? Love her. Absolutely. 100% from Seinfeld and Veep and even the old adventures of new Christine or whatever the hell that was, that was pretty okay as well. I'm hoping that this is leading to what Ray has been wanting for a long time. And that secret invasion where there is a scroll agent who, who comes back as like her likeness, right? Otherwise you, you got what you just said, Dave, you have this, you know, master of espionage that is really working for everybody at the same time all the time, which is a great character, which is a really brilliant, another great cast casting decision as well. Someone with a lot of depth that can go either way. Right. I mean, they can, it just, I'm thrilled with the character introduction and, and I'm hoping we get secret invasion. That's from it. And that's where we're going. Well, we know we were getting secret invasion as, as one of the Disney plus shows. They revealed that at, at, is investor day, which was basically like, we're going to drop a bunch of shit on you in one day and good luck digesting it. So we know secret invasion is coming, whether she's the scroll agent or not, who knows, but her introduction into this story, especially at this point opens up a lot of possibilities about a lot of different things. Chris, what were your thoughts on this uh, pretty important cameo at this point in the series? I, I, I agree with you, Dave. I think that her appearance is less about, this particular show but setting up what we're about to get get into because i mean i mean let's just keep it a buck man these shows that they've put on disney plus obviously they were trying to get people to sign up for disney plus but they've done a really excellent job of setting up all the pieces on the chessboard leading up to what's about to happen and i also agree with Tony, man it's great to see julia in anything man she's phenomenal i love her and everything that she's in even those I can't believe it's not butter commercials or whatever commercial it was. She's just excellent. So it, yeah, it was happy. To, I was happy to see her. Uh, interesting casting choice, but I guess up and down the board, Marvel does make some interesting choices from time to time, right? That's kind of a hallmark of this whole MCU, right? They do, and they usually get it right. I mean, Marvel is notorious for getting their casting absolutely spot on, perfect. Dan, binge watcher. What did you think of uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus coming out of nowhere and, and the Madame Hydra character getting thrust into the mix of all this? Uh, I thought it was a really cool surprise. I, I agree with all you guys. Love her. Love everything she does. Even Arrested Development as well. If you haven't watched Arrested Development, she was in there too. Played a pretty fun character. Just What is she? Yeah. What movie What movie is it where she's the jerk neighbor? Oh, uh, oh she Christmas, Christmas Vacation. vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they did, they did such a good job of, I think just making it a nice tease. Like they talked about this, this person, you know, and, you know, it was all mystery who she was. And then boom, there she is. She plants the seed into, you know, former captain America, you know, she, he's the only one he, at this point, you know, he took last of the serum, all the rest of the serums destroyed. He, she's going to recruit him, you know, and it just kind of plants the seed of yeah, where we're going to go. Right. Like it's more of a, here's what's next in the next shows and the next maybe movie. I just, I love the way they've been doing this with continuing the story and building the next set of Avengers and bad guys and, you know, the next big story that they're going to tell. And that was the one, the little, the quick little just teaser, you know, plants the seed and then we're off and running on the next show. 
Yep. Ray, we're going to get you in here right now, my friend. So we've talked about the big showdown between Bucky, Sam, and John at the beginning where John gets rips off Sam's wings, gets his arm broken, gets the the hearing where he's basically stripped of his entire identity. And then mm-hmm. Adam Hydra shows up on scene and and what does what does that mean? You know, you're you're you know, I know you're familiar with the character. We don't know exactly what role yes. he's playing right now because it could be Secret Invasion Contessa, could be Leviathan Contessa. There's a lot of talk that she was supposed to introduce that in Black Widow. What were your thoughts on on this stuff going on? Uh, well, first, speaking to uh, the Madam Hydra thing. Again, I agree with everybody. Great casting. She's fantastic in anything she does. But I think what I loved about it the most was it gives John Walker something to do. Because if we end the story without her being there, John was finished. He was emotionally broken. So now his meeting with her kind of gives him the strength to kind of carry on as you see in the mid credits trailer. You know, I'm going to, I'm, I am Captain America. Nobody can take that from me. Um, and yes, her backstory is so convoluted that they can choose to go whatever way where they want to go with it. They can even give her something new and it wouldn't be too far off because she may be one of the few triple sleeper cell agents in history. So like she could do anything. Um, if I may, just to speak on the beginning, uh, the other stuff you said, um, man, I, I told you guys on Investor Day when we first talked about this, that this, other than Hawkeye, because I'm a Hawkeye fan, this was my favorite show that they were going to do by far, because I knew what the story was, and I knew how well it could be. And the the allusions to Civil War, when there was Bucky and Cap fighting Iron Man with Bucky and Falcon fighting the new Cap were spot on. The um, Again, Sam showing why he's Captain America and Bucky showing why he's not with Sam about to draw him in and Cap and John saying, you almost had me. But once he said the shield, it was like I stepped back to it and realized, oh, y'all not here for me. Y'all here to get me. Bucky starting the fight and honestly finishing the fight. The coolest thing about it, too, was every other Avenger we've seen, we know their fighting style, right? You have an idea of how all the other Avengers fight. This is the first chance we got to see Sam fight on his feet. The use of uh, the jetpack, his acrobatics in a way we've never seen it before, because every time you see him fight, he's in the air. I I appreciated that. Um, Let me add one thing, Ray, because I think the most ironic thing the very most ironic thing of the entire show, episode five, is when they begin the fight and and Walker looks at both of them and goes, we could have been a team. We could have worked together. And you look yep. at him and go, yeah, no shit, dumbass. It's your fucking fault that you're not. And it goes back to the point that Dan almost alluded to with the same wording is, you don't know what you don't know. So, so Such a fact. And... As much as this has been the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, this has been the John Walker show because you've seen him go through every emotion possible in the span of two, three, four, five episodes. And you can almost see, like we spoke about last week, you can understand to a certain extent the ways he goes. And you know what? He is a little bit sympathetic because you you alluded to it earlier, Dave. 
when he's having his identity stripped away and he's like, but you don't understand. I did everything you told me to do. You made me. I know for sure he's killed innocent people before. The only reason the only reason this was a problem was because there was a cell phone video. People saw it. But he's done that his whole career. He got three purple hearts or whatever it is, the, the medals of honor, for doing that exact same thing. It's just he was never wearing the shield. There was never a camera watching him. So you have to understand how the dude feels. Then he just lost his best friend, who was his moral compass. Like, you kind of feel for the guy, but then realize, had you not been such a horrible person, you would be in this, this predicament. Um, such a great, it's, it's just so much character development from these main people. Even Sharon. Have you spoke about Sharon and how she's doing these under these seedy things with Batrock and all these other people? There's so the, the the character development is so strong in the show, I love it. I I'm and I'm glad I was able to hop on and still catch it, because this this is my favorite. This may be the best, top to bottom, everything considered. This may be the best Marvel project they've ever done. Just real quick, Dave. I you know Ray, that was uh, very well said, but you just it it just popped in my head, man. The parallels of the character arc between. Steve Rogers and John Walker. They're literally the exact same path. They both came into this with the most altruistic, and I fucked that word up completely, but the most, they were rah-rah, go America, let's go save the world, let's do this and that, and you can see them. Now, what John's arc is a lot tighter and more condensed than Steve's was, because Steve's arc came over the course of, what, five or six movies, if we count the Avengers, but they ultimately And, and both, eight decades. <laughs> and, and eight decades, and, and well, seven of those were spent in ice, so you know, he was chilling, literally. But <laughs> but you can see just the disillusion with with America and really just with the system. and but, but it also points out the key differences. Why Steve was Steve and John is John. Because Cap never cracked. Cap, Steve always did the next right thing. And while John's de-evolution is, yeah, we get it. You know, it's it's it, we get it. You know, we probably would have broke under those situations and circumstances as well. But that's the major difference right there. And it's it's just cool how they how their story arcs paralleled. But then you see why one is one and why Steve is Steve and why John could never be Steve. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Well, Steve. Steve always does, he always knows the difference between right and wrong. Even near the end of the series where he's time traveling and he fights himself and he's able to poke fun at his own idealism in certain places, but he never goes over the line like John does. So, so Steve always knows what's right and wrong and always does the right thing. But Steve's difference is he can recognize wrong or maybe not even wrong, just shades of gray and kind of look at it and say, yeah, that's not the way I want to go. John can't do that. He doesn't know how to do that. And that's the major difference between those two characters. They start off, like you're saying, Chris, kind of in the same place, idealistic to the max. Um, and then the way that Steve deals with adversity versus the way that John deals with adversity really defines who they are. The, the most salient point to, to wrap all that up is when Zemo is talking with Sam and Bucky and about how much he hates super soldiers. And Bucky's like, but what about Steve Rogers? He was like, touche. But let me ask you, in the entirety of history, has there ever been another Steve Rogers? If Zemo can acknowledge he's the exception, then you know clearly that Steve Rogers is the exception. 
Shout out to Zemo as well. I'm I'm a little hurt that we're not going to see him anymore because he was the coolest guy on the whole series. He well, was just cool as shit, man. And going to see him in the next. You might see him in the next Black Panther movie. You might, yeah. Let's let, let's segue into before we talk about the Isaiah Bradley issues. Um, so we get Bucky and Sam kind of go their separate ways at this point, and we got like Ray was saying, Sharon's doing some underhanded dealing with with Batroc. Was that George St. Pierre? Is that who's playing him? Yes. Okay, so that issue is going to come to a head. But I wanted to, and I'll let you guys, you know, run with that. But Bucky and Sam kind of go their separate ways. Bucky goes to uh, Sokovia to the memorial to find Zemo. He knows he's there, and he basically Bucky kind of faces down his own inner demons as to am I still the assassin or can I pull away from that? And he pulls away from that and turns him over to the Wakandans, and they take Zemo off and all that sort of thing. So to some extent, Bucky kind of. Find some peace, maybe some closure with himself for the moment. What were your guys' thoughts on on this uh, on this moment of the show? Y'all go ahead, because if I if I contribute to this conversation, I'm going to step on my Sam Wilson thoughts. So, okay, well, let me jump in real quick. There are so many moments in this show where you can say this was powerful. The conversation between Sam and Isaiah, the hearing with uh, John Walker, but this was powerful for another reason. This was powerful because you had two characters who were known notoriously for one thing, completely flipping. Not just Bucky, but also um, Zemo. Because one, Zemo could have ran away. He was free. And he said, I knew you were coming for me. Like Zemo's kind of reconciled in his own mind, this is what this is what it is now. When Bucky goes to shoot him, there's no gun and drops the bullets powerful because that's him realizing i don't have to be the killer anymore and vice versa zemo vice versa um when zemo realizes (laughs) opposite (laughs) yeah zemo um he realizes that uh it's over for him and the door melange pop up he looks at bucky and it says is anything worth it to you i i wasn't going to kill you and i like i apologize it's like in both, and you see even Bucky accept that. He's like, I appreciate that. And so growth for both those guys, man. And yeah, it is a shame. But look, the Dora Milaje, ain't nobody messing with the Dora Milaje. So, like, he wasn't getting away. And he knew it. The, ga- the game was up. You know, it's like, yeah, it's all over at this point. Uh, you guys got anything yeah. uh, to add? go ahead about uh, the Bucky scene with uh, Zemo? I had just, the whole, the Bucky transition was, was interesting to watch, too, because it was almost like the opposite of watching John transition to his madness and Bucky transitioning out of his madness from the winter soldier to yeah. more being white wolf Excellent you know, point. type of character. So it was, it was awesome to watch that transition at the same time as well. Um, because it's just, a, he's another character who could have, you know, going to reconcile and watching him struggle with talking to that, um, that one family trying to tell his dad that he killed his son and never, you know, couldn't get him go to terms with saying that yet. And, you know, him trying to just do all that was, was another side of the story. That's was just cool to watch. Yeah. Great point. DP. Welcome back. Where you been all our freaking lives, <laughs> yeah, huh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> been hiding a, in the he basement. Is a, he is a scientist. So, you know, you do have that. All right. So let's get to the meat of this episode. I know we'll talk about the, the absolute clusterfuck that's about to happen in episode six in a moment, but the crux of this episode is really 
the conversation between Sam and Isaiah. And and to me, the central point of this series has always been about, you know, finding the next Captain America. But this episode, this conversation here really drills down to the central point as to what it means to be Captain America and the different perspectives. And this conversation between Isaiah and Sam is fantastic. And kudos to Marvel here for basically summarizing a six-issue series, uh, Red, White, and Black Truth, and they kind of boil it down into this conversation so that you get... Now, sure, by all means, if you can find it, go read it because it's fantastic. But they summarize the salient points of what happened with... And why Isaiah is so bitter towards all this stuff. Because, yeah, they experimented on a bunch of black soldiers, gave them the super serum. They all started to drop off one by one until there were only a few left. And Isaiah is the only one left standing at the end of this thing. So how do they repay him for that? They throw him in jail for 30 years and use him as a guinea pig. So essentially, we've now equated the United States military or the people behind the scenes to Nazis. I'll go ahead and say it because that's what they did. And, and now you've got... You've got Isaiah saying that, you know, any, what does he say? You guys remind me, any black man of any sort of a character would not want to be Captain America, which puts Sam in direct Mm -hmm. conflict with his best friend, Steve Rogers, and his own inner demons and inner feelings about, well, wait a second. What if I want to take up that mantle? I know I didn't feel worthy of it, but now I do. So the stuff between Isaiah and Sam is, is absolutely fascinating from a show standpoint to just see the different perspective as to Isaiah's viewpoint on what the shield means, what Captain America means versus Sam, who doesn't know anything about what Isaiah went through, except what he's telling him. So it's hearsay, but there's no reason to think it's false because Sam's only experience is Steve Rogers. So, you know, from Sam's standpoint, to me, it's like, Isaiah, look, I don't know what you've been through, but I know this guy, Steve. And even, I mean, he kind of, tries to get Isaiah to acknowledge that at some point, but it really kind of falls on deaf ears, in my opinion, because Isaiah's already set. He knows what he's gone through. He's not going to acknowledge that there's anything redeeming about being Captain America because he has no other reference point to allude to. So I'm going to kick it over to you guys. I thought the conversation was fascinating. I love how they got the key points of what happened to Isaiah into this whole thing and just... The key point, like I say, what it means to be Captain America and how it's interesting that there are different perspectives. And and, and to me, and the last thing I'll say before I kick it over is the shield has now taken on, the actual shield itself has now taken on a different sort of tangible quality. And you see that in the post-credit stuff with John and probably what's in the crate. You know, we're going to see something like that too. But kick it over to you guys, your thoughts. This was a huge moment in the series. Just real quick, if I may, I want to hear Chris's thoughts, and I think he has the most salient thoughts in the situation for one particular reason. Chris and I personally have had a back-and-forth debate for weeks about this particular show and about the point of this particular show um, and the undertones of it. And I, and I, we've never had, had a chance to have this conversation on air. And within reason, you know, you. So some things you can't talk with people that's not family, if you know what I mean. Uh, but no, I, I really I want you to kind of have the floor even more than myself, if you don't mind. 
I'm, I'm glad you said that because I didn't want to be a dick and cut you off, but I, I was going to say what I wanted to say and then allow you to have your victory lap, basically, in essence, you know what I mean? But the sign of, you know, maturity is being able to admit when you're wrong. So, you know, whatever. I don't give a shit. Um, first thing, I, I got to give the, the writers a shout out because that scene when Sam goes back to Baltimore from the time that he's talking with Isaiah's grandson and they're outside playing basketball to the conversation that he and Sam had when he got back there, that was pretty good. And this is something I'm very critical of when it comes to white writers writing black dialogue. I'm very critical of that because it doesn't always come off authentic. I thought they nailed this scene. I, everything from the kids outside playing basketball, they said, check up. Okay, if I want to pick nits, they probably just would have said check. Nobody says check up anymore. They would have said check. But I'm picking nits. But no, they they nailed the, the dialogue jean, in this scene. The jean jacket. Dude was wearing a jean jacket playing basketball. All right, sorry. No, but they, they nailed the dialogue in that scene. So I had to give them props for that because that's something I'm very critical of. Um, we've had conversations Hell, the conversation Ray and I, it led to him writing a whole article about this shit. You know what I mean? I wasn't the biggest fan of the show initially. Now, to be fair, I was ignorant of the backstory. I didn't realize they had literally ripped this storyline from the comic books. That's just 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 being fair, right? But I felt, you know, the it, the way that they played on the race thing, man, it just felt convoluted and inauthentic to me. And, you know, after giving it some thought, I think where I was coming from really was the lack of character development that I felt they gave Sam Wilson. I felt like his entire character up until about two episodes ago was he's black and he got it hard. And that was it. And, you know, that's one of my critiques in in media all across the board. It doesn't matter if it's white people doing it. Hell, it, black people do the same thing, man. You know, black characters don't typically get to be three dimensional. There's no depth. There's no nuance. There's no subtlety when it comes to black characters. Even if it's black people writing, it's either some church shit, some drug shit, some gangster shit, some hood shit. That's it. That's it. That's our frame of reference right there. You know, or that's, Tyler Perry, which is all of the above, <laughs> which, is, which is all of the above. But yeah, so that was my I think that was my big issue with it. But I've turned the corner on this series. And the last couple of episodes, and it sucks that I'm really now just starting to get on board and now they're wrapping it up next week, you know, but this conversation that he had with Isaiah and just everything that he's gone through, Sam has a lot more nuance in his character than I, I, I realized because he's fighting these wars on two fronts. And the fact that he is a black man out here saving the world and this and that, like that's never lost on him. And this conversation that they had. It was so realistic because, I mean, if, from from and, and, and they drew in so many real life parallels. Dave, you brought up the Nazis. I mean, with the Isaiah thing, you can draw parallels to the Tuskegee Airmen or, or the Tuskegee Experiment. We all know about that. Hell, uh, you could draw comparisons to Henrietta Lacks. And if you don't know about her, Google her story and, and what happened with her. Like there's several parallels to real life situations that you could draw from this. But it just dawned on me with this particular episode, man, I finally saw Sam for what he was. Or what he is, rather. Sam Wilson is the same Dudley Do-Right that Steve Rogers is. They're literally the same person. And that's why Steve wanted him to have the shield, because he recognized that in him. And, and you know, talking about earlier, the conversation that he had with Bucky, like all of his skills, it's funny. 
it, it's all, if you guys ever read The Alchemist, it, it reminds me kind of of that. And the it's really my favorite book. And I don't even like fiction books like that. But the whole premise of the book basically is everything that we go through prepares us for our path. And it adds another tool in the toolbox. And I feel like they're kind of doing that with Sam. They're showing some of his tools. Like, yes, his athleticism and his prowess and stuff like that. But how he was trying to talk the little redhead girl off the ledge. He was trying to reason with John. The come to Jesus moment that he and Bucky have at the end where they finally reconcile their differences. You know, it calls into it's a callback to what he was doing when we first met him in winter soldier, which was the, uh, he was holding that trauma. He was holding that therapy session for soldiers with PS PTSD. Yeah. So everything that he's been through and all of his characteristics and all of his traits, they've been building towards this moment that I'm assuming we're going to get next week with him, you know, taking his throne, his rightful throne. Cause he truly is the heir. And I apologize, man, if I'm just kind of rambling on the mic here and what I said didn't make sense, but yeah, but it just really I've really turned the corner on this show, man, and I underestimated it for the first few episodes and it sucks that now we're at the end. I hope any of that made sense. I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm no, this did. is stream of consciousness, it man. Did. Were you apologizing to the people listening cuz we already all know you, so you don't have to apologize to us. Yeah, I was apologizing to the people listening, man, because it just probably sounds like a stream of con. I probably sound like Kanye West right now, so I apologize to the people. Tony, Tony, you know Chris would never apologize to you, so just stop. <laughs> Can I say how proud I am? And I don't mean that facetiously. I am because... <laughs> of me? Yes, of you, Dan. Yes. Um, so nice. No, be- because it, it, it when you really have dug deep on an opinion and you really feel something, and to finally allow yourself to see it in another way, and naturally, not because somebody else told you to, but because because you came to that conclusion, big. And I appreciate you seeing it. And for no other reason, not because I'm right or I want to be right or any of that, but because I didn't want you to miss out on what was potentially, like I just said, what I think is the best Marvel product that they've done in totality. That was the um, coolest I told you so ever. Well, you know, you know, I tried. It was. <laughs> but um, it was the most know. gracious I told you so ever thank you thank you thank you um, and I don't want to uh, take too much time away but man to see those two guys you know you know what the, the cool thing about that segment was to me is that you could see Sam want to tell Isaiah but you're wrong and then every time you could see Isaiah say something else and he's like well no that makes sense. I think that that's part to add to what you were saying, Chris. That's why Sam is so good and why he is cap because he's not so smart that he can't admit when he's wrong or learn. And he's not so rooted in good that he can't empathize with other ideologies. And those are the two of the qualities that qualities that made Steve Rogers, Captain America, because he was in the same vein. And um, yeah, man, just the growth and that conversation. And I mean, com- they convinced his wife he was dead. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't give him, wouldn't give her, him, her letters. And just understand what that man is living with and what that man is going through. And, you know, and now we're going to see Sam take the mantle for the good of people like Isaiah. When <laughs> a dichotomy is Isaiah don't want him or anybody else to have the shield. It's a very powerful and a very tough thing for Sam to reconcile, but you're right. He's done to do right. He's going to do what's right because of what is right, not for any other reason. So 
Anybody else go ahead? I think, you know, the the powerfulness is is the big part of this. And obviously I have <laughs> I can't speak on any of the whole thing because it's, you know, me being a white man or whatever, the the whole everything that they talk about, you know, is is awesome that they can bring this to light in a mainstream media somewhere, at least a little bit. Like I obviously don't know that struggle. Um, but to see it, you know, to to have it put into a story like this is kind of cool to see. That whole thing with the police confrontation was just that's like it's eye opening stuff. Like that that's really happens, you know. And it was like wow, and just that whole build of Sam seeing this in the world as he decided not to take the shield, and then starting to realize that this is why he needs to take the shield. Almost, you know, he needs to be that that bearer of the shield because pulling it into the John versus Sam thing, you know, that's what it's what the shield represents. It's not who the shield is or who the person is behind the shield. You know, you're not, it's not about being a super soldier. John was a shoot first, ask questions later type of person being in the military background where, you know, Steve was ask questions, you know, try and resolve the conflict, avoid, try and avoid the violence you see, like you guys mentioned, you know, Sam and, and Steve were the same exact person. That's what, you know, Sam wants to go in, talk to the people, get a reason with them, get them to understand and stop what they're doing as opposed to going in and just shooting and just killing the bad guy and being done with it. It's about talking to the person. It's about the goodness and fighting for the rights of people, not just going in and killing people. That's not what the shield is. And I think that's this whole thing is. Sam really realizing that that's why he needs to take up this mantle. He needs to be the bearer for all people to show that there's still goodness in the world and that it's not about race. It's not about killing the bad guy. It's about being a good person. And that is what Sam is. And it's just, it's, I think watching the whole transition has been pretty cool and seeing all those little spots where it's, you start to see Sam realize those things when he's talking to Isaiah or those little things with the police and, you know, just seeing John, you know, killing the, killing the guys as opposed to, you know, being what, um, what Steve was, you know, as, you know, as Captain America, it was just, it's amazing to watch that come to light. And they did such a phenomenal job doing that. Can, can we talk about how badass that, training montage was when Sam okay. is learning how to work with the shield. Like, right. so, I, here's what, here's, here's my problem with this episode. And I'm glad you, you brought that up because first of all, after I watched the episode, I, I called my old gym teacher. I went down to my old grade school. I picked up some gym mats. I brought them home, tied them around the trees, found the heaviest garbage can lid I could fucking find and went outside. And I had every intention of some cartwheels, some flips, run up the tree, backflip off of it, throw that motherfucking trash can at the, at the you know, tree wrapped with some mats and everything. But then I looked across at my neighbors and I just started chucking garbage can lids at the wind chimes and it felt so fucking good. It was great. <laughs> Why did they ruin such a good episode between, between the cartwheel shield throwing forest with, with gym mats and the, Hey, we're buddies because we fixed a boat together montage. This episode kind of really fell short in a couple categories for old PC Tony. 
So you interrupt my joke for an even worse joke. Mine was better. I was waiting. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't. It, that's the thing. It really wasn't. But go ahead, guys. Well, there is Let's a difference. Your, your your garbage lids aren't made out of vibranium, so that's that's one thing to talk about. How do you know? We got some pretty rough squirrels over here. So vibranium, <laughs> vibranium can cut through trees, but not through gym mats. That's right, Dan. God damn it! You've we got, found it's kryptonite. Gone, you're gone for Children's six months. Did you come sweat. back with this? Children's sweat is the fucking offset to vibranium. It's little kids sweat. Well, what's interesting is is Sam doesn't have the super soldier serum, but Bucky's throwing this uh this shield at full strength, and Sam's still catching it. And you're like, hmm, I wonder how he's pulling that off. But hey. You got to suspend your disbelief a little. We're wrestling fans, so we shouldn't have to tell each other this part. Anyway, anybody got any final thoughts on this before we we got other stuff to talk about? Final thoughts about this episode. The big thing to me, of course, the post credit scene where John's making his own shield out of his medals of honor. So he's going full U.S. agent right now. Uh, we know there's a big showdown coming between Kari and the Flag Smashers and whoever's left out there we don't know where bucky exactly is we know that sam's got you know bucky gave him this crate from uh wakanda which i mean you could speculate what's in there it's probably the what's same thing that box? it was i think it's the same thing that's in marcellus wallace's briefcase from pulp fiction now we're finally going to figure out <laughs> what the fuck is in there it's going to come full long-term storytelling that's right baby Bob. uh so anyway your guys final thoughts what's in the box dan brought up the question what's in the box what do you guys think? The new Black Panther. I think shit. I think Kari makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Wait, That's I'm funny. sorry. I'm no, sorry. Did you say no. he's T'Challa now? The black, got the, the black, Panther? the Black American Panther. We're just, just bringing Jesus them all together. <laughs> this is booking by Tony. Captain, uh, Captain, not, Cap, not, Captain Panther Ray. There you go. Not, not Captain black, Panther black like American T'challa. Panther. <laughs> Not Esquire. Black Panther like T'Challa, Black Panther like Fred Hampton, like Fred Hampton. That Black Panther? Yeah, that one. Somebody, no, it's, it's got to be it's Captain I mean, America. I agree. Of yeah. course, with the wings and everything. Yeah, of course it is. But All the, the vibranium Kyrie infused, man. Go ahead, Chris. All Sorry. vibranium. It, she just makes me uncomfortable. I don't like looking at her. No disrespect to her. I'm sure she's a nice young lady. She just makes me uncomfortable to look at her. She looks like Black Wendy. <laughs> and and Ooh. when they remake Pippi Longstocking, which inevitably you know they will, because Hollywood is clearly out of ideas, we found the new Pippi, folks. Oh, Wendy! Oh, sorry, Chris. I had a Samoa Joe flashback there. <laughs> you know, the real Pippi got a sex tape out, by the way. I mean, it's like 10, 15 years old now, but yeah. Damn. Transitions, huh? Yeah. What's it called? <laughs> Dan's gonna look I'm it up sure right if now. you type in Pippi Longstocking sex tape, it'll come up. Wow. Anyway, so you guys got any final thoughts about this episode before we move on and just get ready for whatever's going to go down next week? Pippi Longstocking coming into your town has a whole new meaning. All right. So let's uh, let's transition away <laughs> on that note. I don't know how we're going to get anywhere else, but straight downhill. Slippery when wet. Very slippery. It's a slippery slope. There's the title for this episode, too. Slippery slope. Lethal Glover. Anyway. Um, got some other stuff I want to talk about Marvel news. We got some casting news to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home starting to take shape confirmation from the man himself, Alfred Molina returning as Doc Ock in this movie. Apparently he died somewhere after Spider-Man two, but now he's going to come back. I'm not sure how they're going to pull that off, but 
You got him coming back as Doc Ock, and we got confirmation John Favreau returning as Happy. Spider-Man, No Way Home, uh, really starting to take shape. Your guys' thoughts? I mean, I'm thrilled that we're going to get Doc Ock back. Not just Doc Ock, but Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. And, of course, anytime Happy's around, it just makes you, I don't know, happy? Your guys' thoughts? I don't. Um, the, the coolest part about Alfred Molina being back is he said that he is coming back finishing the story so like this isn't a new character same guy same thought process same story so that's interesting to see how they flip that from where he was spider-man 2 to now because he was about as dead as dead can be so i'm kind of curious how they flip that but that that's that's cool to me which bodes well for all the theories of all the other people they mentioned electro jimmy fox and all the other people Toby. So I'm interested. I mean, if uh, Alfred Molina's coming back, you got to bring back Toby Maguire, right? Oh my God, that's why I'm so excited. That that's why I'm so excited about this Spider Man because I loved the Toy Toby Maguire Spider Man trilogy. Okay, three was a little convoluted. We all can agree to that. But those first two, that second one at the time, that might have been the best comic book movie of all time. Like that's how good it was. And it kind of well, I guess Michael Keaton kind of started that trend where you had actual actors playing these roles you know that it was yeah it was great casting so yeah i would love to see toby come back i love toby as spider-man so much that i've to this day i've never seen the andrew garfield spider-man because i was i boycotted them literally on some hollywood is full of shit type of you know what i mean like i, I refused to watch them and, yeah. and apparently yeah. i didn't miss much no you didn't yeah. for the record garfield isn't bad in the role it's just the movies were bad right okay cool the only thing they got right was how gwen stacy died beyond that it was pretty fucked up. But yeah, I loved Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. I hope we can also get William Defoe back as um, uh, Green Goblin because he was outstanding in that role as well. Yeah, I'm here for it. Shout out to Alfred Molina. Keep getting them checks, Al. And it's a great role. And it, the, how they get out of it is that we're introducing the multiverse. So it's not going to be the Doc Ock of this universe. It's going to be a parallel universe. That Doc Ock, he's probably still alive. Maybe he's even hanging out with Kingpin. Can we get Kingpin in this Melon Farmer? Maybe we get uh, Miles Morales or, you know what I mean, or the the Gwen Stacy Spider Lady or Spider Woman, whatever they called Spider her. Right? Let's, let's go all out. We're going to get Spider Gwen. We're going to get Gwenpool. Well, they, We're going to get it all. Right, Ray? They have admitted, they have, yes, they have admitted that uh, Miles Morales is in the universe. Because remember when um, in uh, the first Spider-Man um, Homecoming, when he trapped the Prowler, Aaron Davis, uh, Donald Glover, he said, I'm late because my my nephew. So Miles is in the universe. I forgot Donald Glover was the Prowler in that movie. I thought he was just random hoodlum. I forgot that he was actually the Prowler. No, he, he wasn't hoodlum number three. He was hoodlum number, hoodlum number one with a actual credited role. I just thought of another which, title which for this I, episode. I, too much Glover. I mean, it's the second time we've talked about a Glover and there's too much Glover here. You could never have enough Glover, Dave. Apparently not. Donald, yeah. Danny, no, yeah, Donald, no Glover, Danny. no Lover. There you go. There's another good title. No Glover, no Lover. Anyway, uh, Dan, <laughs> your thoughts. I can't on... relate. I'm, I haven't bought a condom in seven years. I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say let's just say Andrew Garfield was was the Hayden Christensen of Spider-Man. So uh that's, <laughs> yeah, you that's know what I'm talking an about. Excellent comparison. Uh, <laughs> um I you know, 
it's awesome that they're bringing Doc Ock back. And if he's going to continue that same role, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if they're doing the in the, the Spider Verse thing. That that could, they could certainly do something then, because otherwise, yeah, he he drowned at the end of that one, Spider Man too. So what the fuck? Um, and that's could totally explain why Tobey Maguire is there, because he's probably he's going to be a multiverse, you know, other or Spider Verse Spider Man that shows up. So that's really awesome if if that's what they're going to end up doing. I love it. I think that's that's kind of badass, and they can tie all this in and bring in that uh, Spider Verse stuff because that was that was a lot of fun. If you watched, you know, the end of the Spider Verse, you know, cartoonish movie or whatever, that was awesome and just really fun to watch. And if they can bring it to the to live, you know, screen. Then I'm all for it. You know, this this whole thing and and the Flash, you know, multiverse that they're going to do too is going to be badass. So I like it. I think it's going to be fun. Tony. Anything? I'm not a Spider-Man guy, to be honest with you. I own one Spider-Man t-shirt, and I really love it. And that's all I have to say about Spider-Man. There cool. you go. I mean, you can't you can't really add on to that. So, Follow me at PC Tunny. Make sure you listen to Cheer Shot Radio. Oh, sorry. Yeah. All you Spider-Man fanatics out there, at PC Tunny, that's where you want to go for all your Spidey news on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, don't get tangled up in this web. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Switch it over to talk a little bit of the trailer park, which I might have to pipe in some uh, Foggy Mountain breakdown right around here because we keep doing this segment. trailers came out this week we all kind of watched them i think we all watched them one of them is the latest installment in the fast and the furious franchise the ninth episode of this thing i'm i'm you know (laughs) a little bit burnt out on the fast and furious series at this point uh especially with paul walker not around anymore rest in peace but yeah i mean this this trailer it's like i didn't think they could do any more over the top crazy shit than they've done in eight movies so far and I was wrong. So Ray's all excited about this trailer. Go ahead, Ray. Inject it into my veins. Give it to me. I need it. Give me what I want. I'm this fine that, if I'm... This is, this is this born in the 2000 or later years kind of bullshit that they're still into this Fast and Furious stuff. Oh, you shut your goddamn mouth, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Listen, Thank you for that. the Fast and Furious franchise is the most self-aware movie franchise on the planet. They know exactly Be- what it is. Preach. There, there's no pretense. It's Hallelujah. wham, bam, fast I en- cars. Listen, I enjoyed it in the 80s when it was chicks. called Police Academy. And they had a dude that made all the sounds and Steve Gutenberg, and then a captain and a commandant and everything else. It was hold great on, back then. On. It's fairly solid now. Did Police Academy fight a submarine? Yeah, but Bob, you, you heard a submarine. Bam. You didn't need to do the submarine. Bam. They had the submarine. Well, because what Mike, Mike, Michael Winslow? Bloop, 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 bloop. No, no, you will not. And I love, I love the Police Academy franchise. Shout out to Steve Gutenberg, but you will not compare Police I'll Academy all fucking day. with Fast and Furious. You can boop all fucking day. Dave, mute his mic. Mute that motherfucker. 
Where's my popcorn? Where's my popcorn? You wish you could mute me. Lord knows I do, yes. It sounds like Christopher Platt and Ray Cash are quite excited about another installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. I'm like, all right, hey, there's worse things to watch than that. But, I mean, was that a flying DeLorean at the end of that thing, Ray, with with like a real flying DeLorean? Or what the hell was that? They said they was going to space. They's going to space. Again, most self-aware franchise in history. They know what they are. And they know what they people want. Is it Fast and Furious 9 or is it Marine 7? Which one is it? Beach Reverend. Oh, you shut Fast, your mouth. Fast and Furious 9, but it's okay. I Look, he Marine know 7? not. Forgive him because he know not what he do. Okay. The only reason I'm, I'm going to watch this is because, and when it's free to watch BTW, is because John Cena's in it. And, oh, he just happens to be Vin Diesel's brother. Oh. Now, that, that's the one thing that bothers me, is that I, so much of this you can believe. In the scope of the stories. But, <laughs> yeah, calm down, Ray. <laughs> yeah, in the scope of the stories. I'm sorry, yes. But I, yeah, the I'm amount almost, of hair almost... John Cena has on his head, and he's supposed to be Vin Diesel's brother. It's a little ridiculous, isn't it? Well, then he, on the mom's side. <laughs> there you go. He's out. He's out. <laughs> but uh, the whole eight movies have been about family, and you're just not going to mention to like all these other people that you've risked their lives and had them commit a, numerous atrocities and crimes and murders for, for you. By the way, I got a fair, brother. You just didn't mention fair, it. To be fair, John's been on the road for over 300 days a year. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay I, I thought you were going to talk about the, the black thing, how Vin Diesel's black and Cena clearly is not. <laughs> he ain't. No, he, he's, pulling, he's pulling a rock in this movie. He's ambiguous. Okay? They're, they're all ambiguous. <laughs> Have you seen his sister's Jordana Brewster, sir? He is yeah. ambiguous. She's Brazilian, right? Another black person. <laughs> By the way, so that and Han coming back when Han clearly got killed, they got they got some explaining to do. It'll, they'll explain it the same way they're going to bring back Doc Ock. They're going to, oh shit, Fast and Furious 9, the multiverse. <laughs> multiverse. <laughs> no, no. Sign me up. Sign <laughs> me up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's insert to Paul Walker. To make it seem like he's there, because you know they got some clips His on the editing. Brother's still floor. around. His brother's still they're around. Space. Oh, oh my god. They're 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 oh, on the search for Walker. Oh, that's why they go to yeah. space. Right? Oh shit! Yeah. There you hey. go. Yeah, that's her. Fast, fast, fast ten. Uh, f- the the family versus the kaiju. Like, no, give it to me all. Wait, fast ten. The wrath of Han. There you go, Ray. Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> is, is that is that Darth Vader fighting Vin Diesel? What <laughs> did Darth Vader just chop Vin Diesel in half, and he comes back as a clone in an animated series? Shit! Is to my previous to my previous point. Rewind and listen to the last three four minutes. Is fat, is Flash Gordon driving a Bugatti? <laughs> it says hey 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 hop hop on there. Jesus. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, clearly, clearly they've got all the other wrestlers. Who's next? Batista? We're gonna get Brock. Austin gonna come in in, in the next one. Like somebody got, is Roman gonna get his Roman gonna come back from Hobbs and Shaw? Mm-hmm. It, like this because they clearly they just say we're gonna just get all the wrestlers we can get. And, and Roman will come it. back and just say acknowledge me for an hour. You know it'll be fucking perfect, man. It'll be great. I'm with it. I'll pay for that. Let's talk about the other trailer that came down this week. You mentioned the man Batista. He's in this one. 
Army of the Dead, which looks like now this one I'm into. This looks like a fun, uh, fun movie. Trailer's kind of crazy. You know, they're they're invading some city somewhere. I forget where it is, but the city's actually on the other side of this big wall, but overrun not just with zombies, but intelligent zombies who Las Vegas. Are, oh, it is Las Vegas. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> yeah, that city just over the hill from here. Um, yeah, that one. But, you know, they've got uh, smart zombies, not only smart zombies, but zombies who are uh, sitting around in, in boardrooms and committees plotting the demise of the remaining human race. Very interesting. I don't know a whole lot about this movie. This seems like something that's been done before. Is this a remake? Anybody know? This I think is a, it's an original movie. Wow. So I'm I'm intrigued by it. You know, I mean, any different take. I mean, zombies, of course, have been done and overdone wow. and all that stuff. So this is a different take on the genre where you've got intelligent zombies who are just not about eating brains and, and entrails. Now you've got them apparently... There's some sort of end game strategy to whatever they're doing. We don't know all the details, but this one looks like it's got potential to be a lot of fun. What do you, uh, what do you guys think of this thing? Where's Patrick O'Dowd when you need him? Cause this is directed by Zack Snyder. Oh shit. Well, Pat's not God, here. So dude. Zack no, Snyder directs right, it. Chris is here. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> How many big giant zombie dongs are going to fall off? Hey, Chris. How many slow motion zombie deaths are we going to get in one movie? You kids have fun. I'm out. Ray, you're you're a Zack Snyder uh, sympathetic like I am. What what are your thoughts on this thing? Well, the trailer looks fun. You said it. That's, that's exactly your point. The tra- most zombie movies, if they're not about dread, end up having some level of fun to them. The cast looks fantastic, and the premise is interesting to me because the premise is apparently that zombies exist in the world. They're not. They're not. This isn't in the midst of the apocalypse. Apocalypse is here, and they're living. They've walled most of them off. Some dude hires this apparently this old um, SEAL Team Six esque team to go to the Bellagio or whatever it is in Vegas, steal all the money, and all they think is they gotta just kill some zombies, and they don't realize that the zombies got brains. So uh, it's a, it's a it's a different. I'm I'm here for different. And it's on Netflix. I ain't gotta pay for it. I'm gonna give it a watch. There you go, Dan. I don't know if you're in the in the I hate Zack Snyder or Zack I heart Zack Snyder camp. Which one are you in? I am in the middle. I don't. I have no, nothing against no, it. If it's a good movie, it's a no. good movie. You you can't so. be lukewarm, Dan. This is the chair shot civil war. <laughs> you can't be <laughs> lukewarm, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know who was in the middle of that one. I'll take the uh, war machine. I think he was in the middle. Uh, <laughs> Dan, Dan in Switzerland is what he's saying. Neutral, yeah. neutral all the neutral. way. Yeah. Dan, what do you think of the Snyder cut? There you go. There, there. This will be. This will tell the tale. What do you think of the Snyder cut? I thought it was much better than the original, but but way too long. Didn't need to be four hours. They could have cut a lot of that. Um, but it was definitely better in that they told a much better story, and he actually got some depth to the characters, which I loved. So, I am on. I am on. I am a fan of the Zack Snyder cut. So a little bit because, more, not quite like, Switzerland, Ray, but you know he's he's trying to be Swiss about his opinion. So, <laughs> yes. But I'm also not a big fan of zombie movies so much. You know, if done right, some some comedy ones or whatever. You know, it can be fun, right? It can be fun. Like you know, there were some that were okay necessarily, but if it's 
you know, standard cookie cutter zombie movie, I'm out. But like Gray said, you know, if it's, it's, it's a different story, it's a new story. That's something we don't get a lot from, uh, from the world of movies nowadays. So it's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's actually something new. Um, yeah. And it's on Netflix. I already got my subscription to Netflix. So, exactly. uh, you know, that's maybe worth giving a watch to watch, uh, Ocean's 11 zombies. There you go. Yeah. Actually been, Greg DeMarco, actually you hear this, Greg? Greg, it's listening. Greg DeMarco, yeah. Ocean's Trilogy with Zombies. That's what this is about. He's in. Greg just texted me right now. He's in. And he hasn't even heard well, it yet. I've actually been writing my own zombie movie. It's called Mick Zombie, where a toxic wasteline leaks underneath the McDonald's, and everybody that eats from there becomes a zombie. Don't right. don't worry, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you're sick of the zombie craze, you only got to hold on for about two more years, and then they'll recycle the vampire craze back in. Because what is it? Every like ten and fifteen years, America gets into this weird vampire craze, and it's vampire this, vampire that. I think by 2023, we'll be back on the vampires. As long as they don't Just glisten with their now. shirts off, you know that's that's all I care about. <laughs> and then <laughs> once we get past we'll be... that, I have another movie I want to come out with Frank and Ronald. It's where a guy who gets no. Okay. You know, I think this is a really McDonald's over here. (laughs) I think this is a really good time for a break. We this is is the fast food multiverse. This is an excellent time (laughs) to take a commercial break, pay some bills, and to lead us into this uh, this interlude intermission. I'm going to turn it over to the PC Tunny who knows how to pimp this stuff much better than I do. And he's better looking than me anyway. Vin so. Diesel versus the Hamburglar. Oh, yes. man. Christopher Platt's here with me. Grimace versus here with somebody. Me. Chris, Chris, why don't you uh, tell them where they can find a t-shirt before we hit a commercial? I think we just found a new one. Vin Diesel versus the Hamburglar. So he keep, he keep posting. Go to ProWrestleTees.com forward slash the chair shot. We're going to see if we can get that one up. But in the meantime, in between time, while we work that out, we've got a bunch of other cool designs, man. If you go to the site, you're going to find something you love. I guarantee it. We've got my personal fave, Jesus Did the Job, Hashtag Journalism, Save Tag Team Wrestling, and many other really, really cool designs. But more important than des- designs, you got to realize, we are your favorite website for news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude because you're smarter than the average fan. So the best way to ensure that we keep providing those news, reviews, opinion, and analysis with attitude that you love so much is by supporting the cause by going to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and picking up an official chair shot t-shirt, the chair shot.com. We are not just a website. We are a movement folks. And as Tony says numerous times, and it bears repeating the chair Sports, entertainment, sports entertainment. How was now that? Was someone, that okay? Yeah, it was great. Now someone British to make it sound even more official. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Man. I live my I live my life a quarter pounder at a time. Pop. <laughs> Fast McFurious. That's been my time. I see y'all. See y'all next week. That's all. Fast McFurious. Fast. It's, it's not the Golden Arch. It's the Golden Arcs. Just so you know, we're not infringing on anybody's trademark here. Uh, so moving into the second half of this episode. 
<laughs> this is something I posted to you guys with a question mark that I'm sure raised a few eyebrows. Lightsabers apparently are real, sort of. We got some news earlier this week from Disney Parks that they have developed, and I, I, I shudder to think how much this fucking thing is going to actually cost. But it is a working lightsaber. Now, let's be real. Let's be straight about this. It will not, as this post said, it won't melt through metal blast doors and it won't cut off your hand. Maybe it'll cut Vin Diesel in half. We don't know yet. We're probably going to find out in the in the very near future. Uh, this thing's got an illuminated blade that will extend and retract at the push of the button. Um, this is kind of... <laughs> is <laughs> a virtual press conference. Disney Parks chairman Josh DeMauro briefly revealed what onlookers have called a real lightsaber. I've looked at the patent drawings and checked this thing out. And I'm like, okay, it certainly looks more cool and more lightsaber-ish than the stuff you can normally buy at Disneyland. But what do you guys think about it? I mean, I mean, Jesus. So anyway, sidebar real hey. quick. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Chris. No, no, go ahead, man, please. No, I was just saying, like, Disneyland's reopening in a couple weeks. My wife and her niece stayed online at this house for 11 hours to get tickets to go in May. They got them because Disney decided we're going to do some bullshit lottery system <laughs> to figure out. you're giving me a birthday present. I guess I'll have to book flight tickets. Yeah, you better get your ass out of here. So, anyway, I, I can only imagine... I mean, the prices to get into Disneyland are ridiculous right now, as you would expect. But your guys' thoughts on a air-quoting real lightsaber? Dave, my, my lady won't even allow me to get a drone. So do you think there's any possible way I do. in the blue French-fried titty fuck hell that I'm going to be able to get a lightsaber. Right? That's an interesting that's an interesting titty fuck and a hell. Interesting hell as well. But I think maybe, I think you're bound to get into less trouble with a fake lightsaber than you are in real drone, knowing you. So maybe fake she might be, you know, I mean, it might, it might not be the, the whole, you know, money thing. It might be you getting into trouble with the drone thing. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with money. It's because she knows me and knows I'm going to get into trouble with a goddamn zone, drone. So there's no way in hell she's going to allow me to have a lightsaber. Like, that's just not, it's not happening in this household. And as much as it pains me to say that, it's just not reality. They, okay? say, they say you can't duel with these things, at least not yet. But I don't know. It, I, just, I just saw the prove animation for it. What's that, Dan? I'll prove them wrong. Yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> we should try. We should try. Why not? Me too, which is why I can't have one. How long is the light blade on a lightsaber? Three feet? Yeah. Three, four feet, something like that. Okay, so the, basically they came up with something, which is the handle of the saber that emits a light blade that is so many feet long and stops, right? That's no. basically what they've come up with. Did you watch the animation for this? No. All right, so basically you press a button, this this tube comes up out of it, and there's like a, a light, like a lit filament somewhere in the middle of this thing that makes the illusion. So, we're, so we still have a tube somewhat not so then it's no better than anything i've already already played with I've, i know people that have these kinds of things with the that lights up and it looks great and you can do everything else and makes the noises like this is no advancement to me like if you're gonna actually have something that physically is going to touch something and you can't go through anything as opposed to making that extension of a light blade because that's the best you could possibly do 
you can't actually make something that's going to cut through something, right? No, it's not going to cut wanna, through shit. I just want to reiterate the fact that I don't have a drone. It has nothing to do with the money. It's because I can't, <laughs> be, <laughs> I can't trust be trusted. I can't be trusted to spy on people is why I don't have a drone. That's that's the name I, of your show. I, I have two I questions, Dave. I have zero First answers <laughs> as I'm reading this. Anyway, go ahead. First question. I haven't seen this. Is it is it really like a lightsaber or more like wasabi stuff from Big Hero Six? Well, I no one's seen it except the people who are at this thing, Ray. But let me uh, let me see if I can't. That's okay. That's okay. We can I, we can look it up later. Second so question. Like that old sword I used to have, where I would just like throw the handle out and it would go, it's and it would more, just come right out and. It's right like in. that shield that you threw against the gym mats. It's exactly like yeah. that. <laughs> I got that course, actually. Go over to it's meDPP.com and sign up for your own, very own Captain America survival course. We'll be throwing shields all over the place. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly for lunch. You might be onto something, man. The incels would sign up for that shit. You might yeah. want to look into that. DP, if you can secure it's meDPP.com. My second question is, Dave, can I cash app you five bucks so you can be my lawyer or retainer in case I do something bad with this lightsaber when I get it? I feel like so Dave's this retainer. Is, this is kind of the technology behind it. It's just this thing that just kind of, I don't know if you can see it. It just extends up, and then there's something Look, in the middle of it. Kind of looks so like a penis pump, didn't it? Exactly. Uh, it's, it's supposed <laughs> right. to give you more of the lightsaber feeling as opposed to just the thing that's always extended so yeah it's i i don't know i'm not in for that the thing that's always extended this is a swedish penis pump isn't it anyway you know on that note that's a, that's the next that's the next uh title for the show swedish penis pump <laughs> swedish penis lightsaber there you go see what happens when patrick's not here it just it just all falls apart so no, we won't do anything that wild for the title. Um, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the comic spotlight section is Patrick posted this. Man, Amazon is going fucking all in on this Lord of the Rings prequel series that they're going to do. Uh, it cost them how many billion just to get the rights to this thing to begin with? And now they're going to spend $465 million to record this or to film this series. Now, we haven't talked much Lord of the Rings on this show because... Let's be honest, the trilogies were like a decade or more ago. Well, the original trilogy, not the Hobbits. But you guys, I mean, I'm I'm certainly wanting to watch this because it's Lord of the Rings and it's Amazon Prime. I want to check it out. But man, that's a uh, that's a shit ton of money that they're spending on a Lord of the Rings prequel series that we can only hope that people are still interested in it by the time this thing comes out. What are your guys' thoughts on Amazon investing this kind of money into this franchise? Especially at this point in time. Well, they got it, but maybe you could take that well, yeah, half it's, it's a billion, a... pay the, your workers a decent wage. But I'm not going to go there. This isn't <laughs> NPR bandwagon nerds, you know. <laughs> I'm good, man. I was never a fan of the Lord of the Rings. I, I actually never seen any of the movies. I hated The Hobbit. I had to read it in high school. It was required reading. I hated the book, so I was never in for any of this. But I'm sure there's still a market for it. So. Uh, they're assuming they're going to make money off of it, right? I would hope so. I mean, if you're going to s- drop that kind of coin on anything, that's that's a major investment. And yeah, you're right, Chris. It ain't like Jeff Bezos is struggling for money right now. So Jeff's like, oh yeah, four hundred sixty-five million. Yeah, just take it out of petty cash, you know that sort of thing. But still, 
That's a lot of money to the rest of us. One less ivory Only back Lord scratcher. Of the yeah, Dan, put you <laughs> cancel that ivory back scratcher order, Dan. Yeah. You don't need it after <laughs> all. <laughs> oh, only Lord of the Rings I'm interested in is LeBron James and Tom Brady. So I seed my time. Even Ray's not into Lord of the Rings. Dan, are, are uh, you a Lord I of the Rings love, fan? I love the Lord of the Rings. I, I love too. The Hobbit. Love the Lord of the Rings. Thank the movies you. were awesome. I like Mike Michael's Slathery and Lord of the Dance much better. That shit is cool, by the way. That river dance shit, like, yo, man, if you ever get a chance to watch that shit, that shit is cool as fuck. I don't give a damn what anybody says. Dan, are I mean, you are you looking forward to this series? I mean, I what story I, are they going to tell with this prequel? I'm just trying to think. I mean, this is all. I mean, they already told the Hobbit, so that's kind of a that is the prequel. So are we going back before that? Well, we're going back like I think they were saying they're going back like a thousand years or something like that. Like they're going way back on this thing, like pre Aragon. Everybody, everybody's not there, so I don't know. I don't know exactly what the storyline is, but I know they're going back like a long ways. Back before, so it'll be interesting to see where they go. Back when Sauron was just a man before he turned into a big old fucking eyelid, burning eyelid. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I think it's. I think it's going to be awesome. I mean, you, I think there's still a market for it. I mean, I think you know it's not maybe similar to The Witcher or anything like that. You still like to watch those. This isn't too far off. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to be not going to watch it because Lord of the Rings was. You know, the movies were older. Um, no, I think they'll have really have a problem getting an audience for it. No, you're right. I mean, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, I'm pretty sure there's going to be dragons or shit like that in this thing. The uh, ring race, whatever the ring race were riding those. Um, I forget what the hell those demons were called. You're going to have stuff like that. You're going to have stuff from The Witcher. There's going to be creatures. There's going to be people to get behind. You're going to get to see the different races emerge. Uh, it's going to be good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those ones that if it's done right, you can strip away the Lord of the there The trick is, like you're saying, Dan, to make it appealable to people like you and I who are heavily involved in the lore, have watched the movies, have read all the books, that sort of thing, have played some of the games. Uh, and then people like Ray and, and Chris, who don't give a shit about Lord of the Rings, but still want to see a good show, a good adventure story, something fantasy-based, something Fern Gully-ish. See what I did there, Ray? Something in that wheelhouse for you, buddy. So, I'm in. So you had to say, I'm in. <laughs> this just sounds like an elaborate billion dollar, half a billion dollar scheme to make sure that Elijah Wood gets a check since Willard's been off the air for years now. I don't know how they're going to bring Elijah Wood into this, Chris, but if there's a... They, they will, Dave. No, he's going to show up in No Way Home. You know, that's what's going to happen is Frodo's <laughs> going to be in No Way Home next to Vin Diesel ba battling the Hamburglar. And No Way Home's going to be some crazy Vin shit. Fast 13. Fast and the Furious versus <laughs> Gandalf. Green 10. <laughs> I love it. We've created a whole new franchise here. Fast and the Furious 15. The quest for the ring. I'm telling you, it's coming. The quest for the brass ring. <laughs> <laughs> one, oh, so Cesaro's going to star in it? One, one Bugatti to rule them all. There you go. That's, that's what it's going to be. But Cesaro's oh, going to oh, spin a Maserati on his shoulders with yes, no man. hands, you know? <laughs> oh, you have always on the Maserati. That's the 11, the painted Bugatti. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I'm here for all of those films, by the way. Everything yeah. that we've mentioned today, I'm here for every single Fast and Furious matchup. I'm here for all of them. Because it all would be Zach, better than what we're going to get. Zack Snyder just signed on to direct. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Chris is like, well, I'm out. 
a good run. To, to you to use to use a term from our new Captain America, cut the check. That's right. Exactly. That's what you need to do. Cut the check. All right, guys. Let's let's talk. Let's do the comic spotlight that uh, that I like to do when when Pat's not around. It's a good time because I'm not as detail oriented with my rundowns as he is, and we don't want to cut this out too soon. But I wanted to talk about a couple of comic book characters before we get into Dave's top five suggested reading for each one. But I wanted to go in a different direction, kind of stray off the main street, so to speak, and look at some characters who've kind of been resurgent a little bit lately. And are kind of looked upon with a little bit of less than less than the reverence that they probably should have. One of them is Aquaman on the DC side, and the other one is the Incredible Hulk on the Marvel side. And for those of you who have not heard the comic spotlight before, we take a look at a couple of characters. Usually it's Marvel. And, well, so far it's only been Marvel and, and DC, but we're keeping it simple. And we kind of just take a look at those characters in detail, run down their history, what they mean to us, kind of tie it all together. And then I give you my top five suggestions for you newbies out there to get involved in comic reading and that sort of thing. So any preference where you guys want to start with Aquaman, you want to start with the Hulk. Anybody got any sort of preference on this? Wow. You guys are just tearing start it up below. What's start it? below water. All right. Let's start. Level. Let's start with Aquaman then. So Aquaman is, <laughs> this is a character that has been the butt of many, many a joke over the years as to just, People don't look at Aquaman as a serious character, or at least they didn't for a long time. Now, he's kind of had a resurgence lately because Jason Momoa's portrayal of him in Justice League and the movie, which I know Patrick has equated to underwater Thor. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I love the movie. It was a lot of fun, but Aquaman is, is look, I mean, he's got super strength. He can breathe underwater. Yes, he can talk to fish and other marine animals, which is kind of a unique power to have, but what are your guys' thoughts on Aquaman? I mean, I know a lot of people want to draw the comparison to the deep from the boys, which I think is blasphemous in every way because Aquaman never molested anybody and has never had his gills finger fucked. So let's be honest about things. He is not the deep. Your guys' thoughts on Aquaman as as a superhero, as his his place in the whole pantheon of, of superheroes and, and just your thoughts on Aquaman. Anybody start this thing off. Just just real quick, man, I vastly prefer the Vincent Chase Aquaman movie to the Jason Momoa Aquaman movie. And the three people that get that reference are going to be cracking up. I don't get it. Uh, I got it. Oh, I got it. it took me a second. I got it. All right. PC should get that one, too. He watched the show. <laughs> so, I, okay, I'll jump in here. Um, I, I've always enjoyed Aquaman uh, for a number of reasons. Number one. Um, just logic would dictate that if we live in a world that's 75 plus percent water, the guy who controls every ounce of that is probably the most powerful being on earth. So that's something to think of, especially considering how he's half Atlantean, half Atlantean, half human. So he can exist in both worlds without needing any extra help or anything. Um, but also man, the stories, like there's not a whole lot of, um, superheroes that are heads of state like he's a king of not just a country but i mean my god a whole entity right so the stories that he that the things that he has to deal with almost well less similar but to, like people like t'challa or like victor von doom um but he's a whole nother you might as well consider atlanta's another world right 
but the stories he's had he's had and things he's had to deal with with um aqualad garth the things he has to deal with with black manta the things he's had to deal with with his brother orm um you know i didn't the know story, his, his son's name is garth that's not his son that's oh. that's aqualad isn't his son but garth is aqualad and he's way just does, does garth <laughs> just hang out like in the you know crevice of the ocean deep in the floor like he's got friends in low places well done well done yes he does have friends in the trench um is, is his real name chris gaines no it's not it, it is garth <laughs> this is, I, can you can you tell, tell can you tell how this is gonna go today Dave? yeah i can tell <laughs> sure wing oh man i'm not but but aquaman is dope and for anybody who is a critic of the of the Jason Momoa movie, that's understandable. But the one thing it did was make Aquaman believable again. After Super Friends killed him. Super Friends killed the Aquaman character for 30 years. When he really is, a, is one of the baddest characters in DC lore. And I feel like Jason Momoa has kind of brought that back. So um, I'll open up to anybody else. because um, This is probably going to end up just being me and Dave going back and forth for most of this. Uh, DP I can, can jump in that, here. I can at least say that that's the biggest problem was was just the fact that cartoons and everything destroyed Aquaman, and you know he's like you said he's been the butt of the joke for for thirty years or however long it's been because of all of that, and nobody can take that character seriously when he is a very awesome character in the comics. He just has never been portrayed that way until recently. And it's hard for it to be turned around quickly because you still think of him as the butt of the joke. So it's that's the hard part. But if you're, you're ambidextrous, you can relate to his duality as a character. <laughs> Aquaman is to the Justice League what you got is to the Wu-Tang Clan. It's like, yeah, he can rap well. That's disrespectful, nobody gives a That's shit. disrespectful, nobody gives a shit. That's disrespectful, bro. But to you got, you're That's probably just, right. Just, you're probably right. To you got, yeah, you're probably oh right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Van well, right brought now, in their own, own hecklers today. PC, Tony, and Christopher <laughs> Black. Also, one more thing. In re- just just thinking of rea- in reality, it makes more sense for Aquaman to be a guy who's more of Polynesian descent than like a blonde-eyed, black, blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude. Right, don't you think? Yeah, it depends on where he comes from. But think about how much water there is, and how many islands there are. It just makes more sense that he would be more likely to be an island person than a dude from like St. Louis. <laughs> no, but there's a lot of there's there's a lot of water that surrounds a lot of northern land as well. That's fair. That's I fair. mean, if Atlantis had I mean, sunk I'm not off the coast with of you. Yeah, if Atlantis had sunk off the coast of Iceland, then I'd say, okay, yeah, there's Aquaman, blonde hair, blue eyes, that sort of thing. But who knows where Atlantis really sunk? But I do, I think like like Dan and like Ray is saying, uh, you know, Aquaman, <laughs> Super Friends did not do Aquaman any any favors at all. When you're riding around on two dolphins, that you might as well be Captain Jack Sparrow riding around on two fucking sea turtles. Dog. And 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 the and the the giant the giant uh, seahorse, like that's the uh, one dog. Uh uh-uh, uh no. That's the one. No, <laughs> God, that was no. horrible. No, and I mean, but like you're saying, Aquaman is is under the water. He's got super strength. He can he can swim at the speed of sound. He can 
do I mean he's the, like Ray you said you said it, he's the king of Atlantis and Atlantis is far more advanced than just about any I mean Atlantis is in many ways the Wakanda of the DC universe as far as technology and their advancements and that sort of thing so if you think about it that way you think wow Aquaman is is sort of similar to Black Panther I mean no one is going to come up here and say yeah he's as cool as Black Panther I'm not going to be that dumb and say that but he's a, I mean very underrated character I do like, you know, and I think like with with the Jason Momoa characterization of him, it's like they're like, let's go in the other opposite direction where he's just a alcohol drinking. I don't give a shit, you know, throwing people on here. He's buying the drinks um, <laughs> standard tatted up to the max. Just a totally different take on the Aquaman character. And I think. You know, you, you, whether you like Aquaman in the movie or whether you like Aquaman in Justice League or not, they are doing their damnedest to reform him and, and to kind of rebuild his legacy and rebuild his reputation. I give them credit for that. You know, I, I didn't. And the the complaint I have about him in Justice League, even the Snyder Cut, is you don't really. Well, not so much in Snyder Cut. You get to see some of that. The Aquaman movie brought it out. But you in the Snyder Cut is a lot of fighting going on above land. And that's not Aquaman's strong suit. So. That was the only complaint I really had about that. So, and, and that's another thing. And real quick, um, so if you've seen a lot of the newer DC stuff, like the DC, um, their animated universe, when they had the Justice League Dawn of Atlantis movie, Arthur was like the Arthur we saw in the movie because we're seeing him pre, pre-King of Atlantis, you know, and the guy who doesn't know where he comes from. And you know what? I'm just going to drink because I got nothing else to do. Um, but I think the thing that hurts Aquaman the most in this iteration, the newer iteration of what we see, is that Mira's, uh, Mira's tougher than him. I think that hurts him. Yeah, just ask John Depp like, about that. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that out well, loud? Oh, hey, that's, a, that's, that's, that's Chris's thing, isn't it? I, should, I expect that from Chris. <laughs> um, but no, no, because if, if you look at Mira's powers and Arthur's powers, Mira trumps him by far. But she holds it back because she realizes this dude needs to feel like he's the king. Um, so I think that that may hurt his perception, too, if you look at, like, New Age stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. I, I love Jason Momoa, and I do think that he has brought a cool factor and element to the character. But the bottom line, I look at Aquaman like I look at dudes that joined the Navy. It's like, yeah, thank you for your service and everything you do. But you're in the Navy, dog. I love Chris Platt, man. Just belittling our servicemen ever, all the world over. Fuck it. Just just go in. So. Well, send your hate mail to at Wrestling Realist. That's W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G. No I in wrestling. R-E-A-L-I-S-T. That's Wrestling Realist. No I in wrestling. That's right. I don't give a shit. Fuck the military. You got problem with it? At Wrestling Realist on Twitter. Yeah, do it. Poor Pat. That was a horrible white impersonation of Patrick O'Dowd. <laughs> you know, one place where Aquaman might get very interesting is that if they do this Flashpoint storyline, because he is central to Flashpoint. His relationship with Wonder Woman goes volatile, to say the least. And if they're actually going to go in that direction, I know Dan's familiar with Flashpoint as well. Boy, that that's going to add a whole new tinge to the Aquaman mystique. What do you you guys got any thoughts on that? Because they could go in a re- really dark direction if they're going to try that. Yeah, 
that's that's a good point too because i was thinking the same thing like you, you guys mentioned you know the most of the fighting in these recent movies has been you know above ground and stuff like that you haven't really got to see all of what aquaman could be and if they do the flashpoint you know there's more there's definitely a ridiculous amount of backstory that they can go into with the wonder woman bit thing as well you know so it's just a you know it's a matter of getting his character out there you know he's he's still being the rebellious uh you know aquaman type of character right now and there's more there's more there that they can obviously dig into so hopefully they continue to do that and if they depends yeah it depends on what direction they go if they do this whole flashpoint thing or if they go somewhere else there's definitely a lot more they can dig up ray you muted flashpoint there you go Ray. yeah no i just realized my bad flashpoint for sure is probably the biggest thing they could do for either one woman or aquaman just because that war is as epic as anything in dc gets but i think for and for in terms of a visual standpoint the coolest thing they can do for Aquaman is, is to have him have to cut his hand off to create, to, to get the hook. Because the the reasoning behind that, him having to do it and then getting the hook is like a whole nother level of like, and Momo was the guy to do it. I think he could do it justice, especially if you've seen him as Cal Drogo in Game of Thrones, like that whole thought process would be perfect for that ideology in that scene. Um, and if we did that, if we did that, could we have a flash forward in that movie where Jason Momoa is played by Dustin Hoffman in his old age? <laughs> I'm hey, why not? Michael Keaton's already going to be old man, Batman, right? Sure, why not? Well, now that now that Tony just absolutely buried the Aquaman character, right? I just there. had a question. I mean, it's casting. That's- let me keep going. I'm going to give you my top five Aquaman stories for reading for the newbies out there. Ray's probably heard of a few of these. Um, number five on the list is the throne of Atlantis. This is a great story where the U S military ends up shooting missiles that hit Atlantis. Orm decides it is time to take out these surface dwellers, which leads to a big surface war where Aquaman tries to, Get the situation back under control, for lack of a better term. And it's it's pretty epic in scope. Um, American title is number four. This is where San Diego ends up sinking to the bottom of the ocean. No one really knows why. And all the San Diegans, hey, go fuck oh, yourself, yeah. San Diego. All the San Diegans end up turning into like Atlanteans. And Aquaman is key to that whole thing. That's an excellent story. Probably. Probably Bill Walton's fault, but anyway. Probably, yeah. Um, Number three is probably the most powerful story on here. It's Death of a Prince. This is back in a time when DC wasn't known for doing darker stuff. Black Manta kills Aquaman and Mira's infant son. And this sets off a whole big, emotional, uh, difficult story arc. It is absolutely fantastic. I mean, if you've never read Aquaman stuff, this is a great one to start off with. And read that. But number two is probably the better place to start the Atlantis Chronicles, which is generally like a seven issue miniseries chronicling the history of Atlantis and leading into Aquaman kind of ascending to the throne. So it's kind of a history of Atlantis going on. And number one is the trench. And this is the one that they were going to turn into a, 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 I don't know, Ray, was it going to be a movie or what were they doing with this? And it just recently got canceled. It was it was going to be a movie that they were going to do in like 2026, 2027, something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and in this one, Aquaman is trying to leave his life in the sea behind him, if I recall correctly, trying to live on the surface. And then these creatures come out of the trench who are a whole new kind of problem and deadly. And I think, didn't DC Animation do one about this, Ray? No, they were actually in Aquaman. Okay, that's right. Remember when he had to go yes. get, yes. he had to go find his mom That's right. to get the trident. Right. They had to go through the trench. And all the stuff on the ship and all that sort of thing going on. Yeah, so you get yeah. to see the creatures that the trench was based upon. They are a much bigger threat in, in this Aquaman story, which is my number one Aquaman story for newbies. So there's my top five for you guys. Any, Ray, Dan, you got any uh, other stuff you've read that you would throw into the, into the mix? Dave, is that the one where Aquaman relocates to New England, uh, specifically Boston? He opens up a bar and then just deals with all these zany characters day in and day out. Are you? Did you just? Did you just like <laughs> lay out the idea of Cheers? Is that what you just did? Yes. <laughs> well done. Very good, Mister Platt. Ray, Dan, uh, you got anything serious about Aquaman that's not? uh ted danson related and so in print no because i have unfortunately haven't read much print of aquaman the anything i've read has been newer stuff um but in terms of the character and like a lot of the iterations he's had um i again he's just a very underrated character and he's not the you god that's so disrespectful of the wu-tang um, but no, I, I am I implore you guys to go look up some of his stuff because if you want one of the baddest, toughest dudes on the block that has depth, and if you want if you if you like the dichotomy of a good guy, bad guy dynamic, the the like the the real genuine hatred between Aquaman and Black Manta is as good as it gets. And whether you you're reading it, you're watching it, whatever. So just look up some of that because I guarantee you it'll be a good time. Yeah, Death Death of the Prince is the one you want to read if you want to get into that deep level of hatred as to what makes those two characters despise each other. It doesn't get much worse than that where you get an infant son killed. So let's transition away from Aquaman and talk about the Incredible Hulk. And, and before I get to that, there I read something in an article, I, and I can't believe actually somebody actually spent time writing this. They had a question that was posed, who would win, the Incredible Hulk or Luther Hargreaves from the Umbrella Academy? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Did you guys actually write an article about this stupid, asinine fucking question? It's one of the dumbest things I've read today. I just had to throw that out there to say, wow, people actually wasted time writing that. How do you even defend that? There's no way to defend it. Maybe if, 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 okay, if Luther was battling the Hulk's dead body, maybe. But other than that, not going to happen. So, the Hulk. Luther versus Bruce. I'll take Luther. Luther versus who? Bruce. Oh, okay. Banner? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay, there you go. I'll take Luther in that fight, too. Problem is that it's not going to last long enough before Bruce goes to an entirely different level. So, oh, man. Let's, I heard uh, a rumor. I heard a rumor that Bruce Banner lost to <laughs> Luther. That's how that. Yep. That in Vanya is how he wins. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Uh, Man. So the Incredible Hulk is one of the most iconic Marvel characters, one of the founding members of the Avengers, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful character in the entire MC. No, I take that back. Not the MCU because Thanos whooped his ass in the MCU in the Marvel universe. 
the Incredible Hulk is 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 I mean, you know, draw comparisons to Superman if you want or anybody else out there. Uh, he's got a very interesting history from just the mindless brute to smart Hulk to stuff in between. And he's been portrayed, you know, the, the iconic series with Bill Bixby in the late seventies, you know, you guys are too young for that stuff, but that was a staple of my viewing when I was a kid, man, that was the shit. And now you've got him appearing, not so much. I mean, sometimes in the movies, you've got one standalone movie in the MCU because of rights issues. He has obviously been central to stuff like Thor Ragnarok to infinity war to Endgame, So he's there, you know, all about him in the comics. He's, extremely important to the entire Marvel universe. So your guys thoughts on, on the incredible Hulk. I mean, I can go on for this guy forever. He's pretty much the opposite of Aquaman misunderstood. Yes. But I don't think anybody looks at the Hulk as a joke. Anybody who's got any sense about it does not look at the Hulk as a joke. There's nothing funny about the incredible Hulk. He's as much of a villain. Most of the time misunderstood though. He may be as he is a hero. Your guys' thoughts on the Incredible Hulk as a character, his impact on pop culture, movies, and all that sort of stuff. Well, Dave, I, I, go ahead, Dan. Uh, I just want to just point out, like the movie-wise, what they've done with him and and all those with having him not really the focal point or anything, just shows up, you know. And if it's you know kind of rights issues from you know some of it, but like what they did in Ragnarok and all that different stuff was it's kind of awesome. It's like you know he's just because he's such a, he's that powerful character. He's the strongest guy out there. You know, you don't want to end up facing up against him. He's, it's almost like the Brock Lesnar uh, tied into wrestling where you don't need to see him all the time. You don't, he doesn't need to be the main guy. Just have him come up and like, like when Thor was standing in that arena and all of a sudden it was like, Oh fuck, it's the Hulk. Oh shit. I got to fight him. Fuck this. Like, that just makes him that much more like, you know, how powerful he is and how tough he is to keep down. I thought was really awesome for the movies, at least. No. So, Dave, I was going to uh, correct you here, sir, that I actually do remember that television show. Uh, maybe it was I was watching it second run because I'm an 80s baby. But that's literally one of the first shows I remember consistently watching with my mom was that Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan, Jesus Christ, that incredible Hulk show. So in R.I.P. to Bruce, to uh, Dave Bixby. And shout out to Lou Ferrigno. Like, that show was excellent. I, I didn't even mind the movies that much with Eric Bana and, and Edward Norton. I think Ruffalo is probably the best of the lot. You know, Eric Bana is Eric Bana. And I think that Edward Norton, really, you're just going to interrupt me as I'm speaking. And it was actually saying some smart shit. Like, I was actually had shit to say here, sir. It wasn't just jokes and shit. Like, I actually had some some pithy, intelligent dialogue in regards to the Hulk and you're fucking me over. Edit that out, Dave. No, I'm going to bury PC Tony <laughs> post-production. So. Okay, cool. But yeah, I think that Edward Norton, he had too much intensity for the character. Not not a bad movie, but Ruffalo, I think he, he kind of gets the balance well as this pacifist that is trying not to unleash this monster within him. And I, and I agree with Dave where there's a lot of depth in this character that Marvel has really only scratched the surface on. I would love to see them do another standalone Hulk movie and hell. Y'all running back the Fantastic Four, why not try it with Ruffalo and give him his own standalone? If y'all gonna keep doing this Fantastic Four shit, fuck it. Give it a shot. Tony, you wanna go? Okay. It's, all, it's all you, Ray. PC's just showing his Hulk collection. So, 
Um, I hate the Hulk. Never liked him as a character. Be, and, I, and you'll understand why, Dave. I don't like overpowered people. The Hulk can't be beat when he is the Hulk. Planet, planet, the Planet Hulk story can't be beat. They literally had to send him to another universe to get rid of him, and he came back and destroyed Earth. I don't like those kind of people, which is why I appreciated the Smart Hulk more than most because it was kind of a mix of both. But I don't like I don't like the Hulk character as much. I appreciate his importance in, in the history of Marvel. Um, I appreciate the way Ruffalo has played him, especially Bruce Banner, very well. Um, I think the coolest thing about, about Bruce Banner and the Hulk as a character is that he knows he can't control the Hulk, and the Hulk knows that he can't control Banner. So they have they work in concert at in the best moments. But that Hulk has but the, but Banner has contingencies. Veronica, the Hulkbuster that he helped make, and in the comics, what started the most recent civil war was he was Hawkeye shot him through the eye and killed him, but Banner asked him to. And we can, that's a whole, that, that whole Civil War II is a whole conversation in its own right. But Banner created that arrow for Hawkeye to do that. So, you know, stuff like that I think is probably the coolest thing about him to me is that he knows that there has been, there, it's almost Batman-esque that he knows that you have to have contingencies, contingencies for me because I can't control myself or control a Hulk. And that, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, that's interesting to me. But the character, you care less. I just thought of it. The Fast and the Furious meets the Avengers. It will make all the money. Like, the economy will collapse. This movie will make so much money that the economy will collapse in and on itself, man. It's going to make a kajillion, fulfillion, Sicilian dollars. Let's have a triple threat. We'll have Fast and Furious, <laughs> Avengers, Justice League, and just, you know, they'll be, be able to print their own fucking money. The only person that can bring this together is Axel Asher. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Axel Foley? <laughs> Axel Foley. Look it up. Mick Mick Rose? Who? Tony, you got any thoughts about the Incredible Hulk, man? I, you, you've got a Hulk Lego figure there, so obviously you've got some affinity for him on some level, maybe. Yeah. I enjoy the character. It's interesting because it's a character that was probably the biggest out of a large majority of superheroes, you know, from the seventies and eighties. Right. I mean, kind of fell off, got reintroduced, got cast into a couple different uh, actors playing the role. And it, it, I don't know, do you guys touch on the Ed Norton uh, movie and things of that nature didn't really catch on, but, we I were trying enjoy... to before you so rudely interrupted me playing with your dolls. Oh, oh I know. It, it was really loud. Couldn't have just kept talking. Um, but, you know, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, en- I enjoy the character. I enjoy the character being around other Avengers. I enjoy the intertwined storyline of them trying to maintain his you know, uh, gatheredness and utilizing his ability, right? That's the constant struggle with the Hulk is, oh boy, we can't control this, but at the same time, 
when we get them moments of sanity, we get great results and we can make actually make things happen. Gotta also recall that another character central to the Marvel Universe actually got his introduction in the Hulk, and that was Wolverine. You never saw Wolverine until he got introduced in one of the... And it's called And Now the Wolverine was the story. And it's not going to make my list, but it's still very important because that's where you get the introduction of, of one of, if not the most iconic character in the entire Marvel Universe. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like the, the TV show in, it was my first introduction to the Hulk. And that first the first two hour episode where, you know, the whole concept of, of Bruce experimenting with gamma radiation because he couldn't save his wife in that car wreck and he couldn't tap into that superhuman strength that you hear about all the time. And, and the tragedy that just, I mean, the Hulk is probably the most tragic of the characters in the Marvel universe. Cause so many things go wrong wherever he is. And he never means for things to go wrong. Even when he's totally raged out somewhere deep within banner, still trying to control him and trying to inject in him a sense of right and wrong. It just doesn't work out that well for him. So, yeah, the Hulk, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Ray, and probably why you don't like Superman too much, because he's too OP, as the kids would say. Um, so, oh. yeah, OP, overpowered, Tony. So, <laughs> but, um, you know, original, OP. original prankster. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Dave, yes, let, let me ask you this, man. Would the, the, the Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk show, would you agree with me when I say it's a mix between Kung Fu and Burn Notice? <laughs> from the wandering from point to point part, it's very Kung Fu-ish. I'm not sure about the Burn Notice aspect of it, but I could see the comparison. Sure. You know. That's all I got. Like like John Travolta telling Sam Jackson, so you're just going to go from, I'm going to be like the you know Kane in Kung Fu. I'm just going to go from place to place, getting into adventures. So you're going to be a bum. That's what you're going to be. A lot of Pulp Fiction references on this show. I'll have a right now with cheese. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Get that in the next Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> Royale with Fast and oh, Furious versus Fast. Marcellus. Ah, hit, there hit, you hit, go. Hit 20. Ring the bell. Dom <laughs> Tortino or whatever the fuck his name is. And Marcellus Wallace. Yes, I'm here for it. <laughs> Tortino. <laughs> Tostino's Pizza Rolls. Feel that sting, big boy? That's fucking... Vin Diesel fucking with you. That's what it is. He hits him in the face a few times. So anyway, any final thoughts on the Hulk as a character? We've run this down. I mean, he's been, yeah, like Dan talked about in Ragnarok, which was just one of the all-time great. You can't even call it a cameo because the story was as much a Hulk story as it was a Thor story. Um, Did y'all mention Betty Ross? No. Go ahead, Ray. Mention Betty. I think it's important to mention Betty Ross for you to think of, especially when we talk about um, comic Hulk. Because she's his moral compass. She's his center. Everything he ends up doing when he's conscious is essentially for her or to protect her. And it's, you know, it, it, it kind of falls into that Spider-Man trope of or Batman trope of I can't be with you because if they know who you are. They're going to use you against me type stuff. But um, I think Betty helped keep him calm because she loved him despite and throughout. And um, I just think it's important to note that that's probably the biggest failure of Hulk in the MCU is that Betty Ross was in the the Edward Norton movie and hasn't been brought back since. And I think she's so integral to the character, even more than Jen, 
uh, She-Hulk, which is coming up. Um, just wanted to give a shout out to Betty Ross because she's a good character in her own right. Right, and didn't they? It, it seemed I don't know what you guys think, but it doesn't it seem like they tried to inject Natasha into Betty's role as the series went along to try and create a love interest for Bruce and comparing Black Widow to Betty Ross, that just doesn't work. Not the same. But I mean, same with uh, Ragnarok and Sakaar being Planet Hulk. Yeah. That was kind of their way of shoehorning that. Right, right. And they never, and and, you know, you never really get the true feel as to how Hulk ended up there. Whereas in the comics, it's very deliberate how he ended up there. And we're about to talk about that because this is, and, and you mentioned Betty Rosso. I wanted to say this, Ray. There's a story, I think it's I think it's called Always On My Mind. I'm not sure which one it is, where Abomination kills Betty. And with the blessing of, of Captain Ross, Hulk goes after Abomination and just doesn't hold back at all. And you get to see just how terrifying the Hulk can really be in that story. That didn't make my list, but let's go to the ones that did make my list there's some fun ones here number five is hulk and thing hard knocks this is one where like dan mentioned the uh, fantastic four stuff this is basically the hulk and the thing sitting around a bar reminiscing about a lot of stuff including all the times that they fight and in the in the course of them doing this they get in a few more throwdowns it's epic the thing never fares very well against the hulk nor should he but it's a lot of fun and it's a very different kind of story Definitely recommend that. Uh, number four is Future Imperfect. This is where the Hulk goes after. He's taken to a different world where there's some maelstrom is running wild on, on this planet. And he's got to stop him. And, and Hulk realizes near the end, this is his future self with a beard. So it's a fascinating, not so much continuity timeline kind of story to check out. Number three is uh, Hulk the End, which is Hulk has always wanted to be the only person on Earth so that everybody would leave him alone, right? This storyline is what happens when he is the last person on Earth. The world's been destroyed. The only thing left is the Hulk, a robot filming his last days, and giant mutated nuclear cockroaches who like to try and eat the Hulk. It's pretty fucking weird, but it's an excellent story. Uh, number two is uh, Gray, the Hulk Gray. This is really Bruce Banner's origin story and kind of how what made Bruce Banner kind of get to the point where he became the Hulk his motivations behind that, why he did some of the stuff he did. It's a fantastic story. And number one, it's really, they're really two, two stories, mm -hmm. but you can't do them without each other. Planet Hulk and world war Hulk Ray's mm -hmm. talked about it. The greatest Hulk story ever for newbies and advanced readers alike. The Illuminati basically sends, realizes the Hulk is too much of a threat, sends him to Sakar, gets him out there. And yeah, that Illuminati, Chris, um, and they, he ends up taking over this planet. And then in the second part, World War Hulk, he comes back to Earth and beats the shit out of the entire planet. And it's only because the Hulk chooses to stop that it doesn't end worse for all of the superheroes and humanity. I would love to see them put World War Hulk into a movie. Probably not going to happen. But by all means, read Planet Hulk and World War Hulk. They are absolutely some of the best stuff that Marvel has ever done. It'll, uh, uh, it'll definitely uh, not happen now. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. I, I was just gonna say, uh, uh, preferably with a uh, a movie with Vin Diesel and Dwayne Johnson. They're gonna bring back the Hulk <laughs> when they go to space, so it'll be fine. It'll it, unfortunately, it'll, World War World War Hulk will never happen unless it's against the Toretto's. Um, because <laughs> World War Vin, you, we, exactly. 
we can't have the Illuminati the way it's supposed to be. Stark is gone. Chadwick is gone, so we don't know what's happening with T'Challa, even though he leaves, right? But you can't really do it without Iron Man because, you know, um, Xavier hasn't been introduced. You know, we don't know what they're doing with Black Bolt because the Inhuman show was trash. So they got to redo it some kind of way. So we can't have the Illuminati as we know it, and I don't want them to re-flip it because those people needed to be the Illuminati. So I can't see World War Hulk or Planet Hulk, which is why I know they threw it in Ragnarok. Um, But the real question is, will they give Hulk more love now that She-Hulk has her own show coming out? Oh, Ray, brother, you have so much to learn, man. We literally have two members of the Illuminati on this podcast right now. They can do what they want, okay? Good point. Good point. What did I, do, I didn't realize that PC Tony and, PC I, I Tony and DPP, the Illuminati. There you go. So you see how that you see what just happened there, Ray? I see it. Uh oh. Hey, the truth is out there, bro. That's right. That's already got it. The truth is out there. It's the and reason it's, you it, can't have drones. And it's and it's coming. It's coming in a 1968 Dodge Dodge Challenger. <laughs> Why do y'all continue to have me on podcast, man? Y'all know how I am. Y'all know how this is going to go, but y'all continue to have me on. <laughs> It'll be in the next Fast and the Furious down. number 22. Probably. Coming out in 2027? Yeah. They're just going to, it's going to be a, a, a rush of Fast and Furious movies, like five a year for the next couple of years. It's going to be brilliant. Who's legit? Who's going to end up with more movies, Star Wars or Fast and the Furious? Tied right Ooh, now, right? Obviously, I'm gonna say Star Wars. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Star Wars. Yeah, I'm going with Star Wars. Easy. You don't have to write a story for Fast and the Furious. <laughs> they stopped writing stories for the Star Wars movies back in '81. <laughs> oh man! I, 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 God that, bless Ray and Johnson, man. Exactly, man. On on that note, I got nothing left to talk about. Guys, thank you so much. That's going to do it for Bandwagon Nerds for this week. It has been an absolute pleasure having you gentlemen here with me. Before I let you go, let's run around the table. Let people know where they can check you out. Let's start with the returning, the prodigal son, the returning hero, the conquering force of the universe, Mr. DPP. Where can people check you out? What do you got going on? Winners You is still going strong, so... Winner's You. Winner's You. Next week will be episode 30. Already up to 30 episodes on A Winner Is You. Make sure you check that out all over Twitter and Facebook at A Winner Is You, the letter U. A Winner Is You, where we always use our head and we never forget that the cake is a lie. Mr. Platt, since you're here again, where can people check you out? I know you're going to be stalking Vin Diesel after this episode is over, but you know, other than that, where can people check you out, man? Dave, I say this every time I'm on this show, man. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. I have a ball every time I'm on this show with you guys. So from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at the Real C Plaid. We've got Three Man Weave. It'll be on sometime. Pod is War, of course. I'm just all over the Chair Shot. If you go to thechairshot.com and close your eyes and point on something. There's a pretty good or realistic opportunity that I'm probably a part of it. So just just continue to support the chairshot.com. Go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chairshot. Pick up an official chairshot t-shirt. And yeah, we're pumping out great content for you guys, man. And we're picking up steam. We're cooking not with 
gas, we're cooking with electric because, frankly, we're just getting warmed up. And environmentally conscious, no less. The Reverend wow. Ray Cash, where can where can people check you out? I mean, you are all over the place as much as DP and Christopher Platt are lately. Where can people check you out? You can find me at Fast and Furious Forever, a.k.a. It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y-S and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Yeah, I got a few things going on, uh, but most pertin- pertinently right now, check out the Total Package series coming out first episode this Wednesday. On thechairshot.com, where you always use your head. And Lex Luger, Lex Luther, excuse me, Lex Luger too. They're both going to show up in a future episode of Fast and Furious. You can rest assured of that. Where's PC? Hey, we, we, we're going to have it's Fast and the Furious 35 on the USS Intrepid. Yokozuna's back from the dead. And Lex Luger joins the group <laughs> to save America. Yes. I love it, man. These are so much better than the shit we're actually going to get, but it's all good, man. Where's PC Tunney at? He needs to tell people where he is at and and where they can follow him at, but I don't see him anywhere. Is he still there? He left us. Yes, sir. Is he? he? Well, he's at PC Tunney, for yeah. the record, if you guys don't see. If he, if he can, does pop up. Can you up. hear me? Can you hear I, We can hear, hear you, Tunney, yeah. No, we can't. <laughs> we can hear you. We can't see you. Yeah. Anyway. He doesn't care. He's also at Fast and Furious Forever. So that's got to somebody, somebody grab that fucking Twitter handle before they steal it from us. As for me, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Regression. And of course, make sure you're checking us out on Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. Guys, that's going to do it for episode 75. Three quarters of the way to 100. Let's hope that Patrick O'Dowd just tore it up at his tournament. And we'll come back a refreshed, reinvigorated, and maybe a little bit more profitable man. Until next time, and the next time that you see The Fast and Furious Part 27, this has uh, been another edition of Bandwagoners. Now get out of the basement, maybe, if you want to. Go check out a Fast and Furious movie. There's about 20 of them out there. And have a great day. Thank you so much. about this creature it is your duty to report that to the police you're letting your imagination run away with you now i have never seen this creature that you're talking about forgive me doctor but i am calling you a liar mr mcgee mr mcgee don't make me angry you wouldn't like me when i'm angry i don't know why everyone believes that but that isn't true think about it if you travel to the past that past becomes your future and your former present becomes the past which can't now be changed by your new future. Exactly. So back to the future is a bunch of bullshit? Also known as protector of the oceans, the Aquaman.
I hear you can talk to fish. So let me get this straight. You do a dress like a bat. Like, a, like an actual bat. Worked for 20 years in coffee. Oh, that shithole. The fight comes, we'll need you. Don't count on a Batman. Why not? It's not like you coming here digging into my business, getting into my life. People from Atlantis tell me to do this. Now you say do that. I want to be left alone. That way you help these people out here in the middle of nowhere? Because you can just leave? I help them because no one else does. If you want to protect them, you need to work with me. Strong man as strong as alone. You ever heard that? That's not a saying. That's the opposite of what the saying is. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. You ever hear of Superman? He died fighting next to me. My point exactly. What's in the three boxes? It's ancient history. Mankind's melting the polar ice caps, destroying the ecosystem. They got it coming. Hey, I don't mind if the ocean dies. How about if they boil? Dressed like a bat. You're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs>